This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Psalm 110, a Psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts by it. Open our minds by your spirit. Help us to understand and to apply your truth to our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. In this series on the book of Psalms, um, Psalms Praying for a New Perspective, I've chosen select psalms that I believe are very uh, powerful and also, in this case, very Christological. That is, it speaks about Jesus, the Messiah. And so, without apology, I'm going to present to you Psalm 110, Jesus shall reign as King of Kings. Now, we learn about Jesus, these things in Psalm 110, that Jesus is David's Lord that Jesus is the victorious king, that Jesus is the eternal high priest, and that Jesus is the defeating judge. These four truths are going to be fleshed out for us as we look at Psalm 110. I have longed in all my 40-plus years as a pastor to preach on this psalm. I have fantasized about this day. I have toyed with titles for this text, saying something like, God's favorite verse. Because Psalm 110 has been quoted 22 times in the New Testament. More than any other passage in Scripture, Psalm 110 has been used as the key messianic passage. Now, you would think it'd be Isaiah 53, and yes, that's right up there. But Psalm 10 is even greater 
than that. It was quoted by Jesus himself. It was quoted by Peter on the day of Pentecost in his very first sermon at the birth of the church. And it's quoted in the book of Hebrews. It's quoted all over. And we're going to love this psalm before our time is done. This psalm is so important. It's put in the book of common prayers, and it's for the day of Christmas. Christmas Day, if you use the book of common prayer, is Psalm 110. Let us look here at this passage. First of all, it says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus is David's Lord. Now, if you turn to Matthew 22 or listen to this reading of Matthew 22, verses 41 to 46, imagine Jesus being interrogated by the religious leaders. They're trying to trap him by his very own words. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to find fault in his teaching, and they are failing miserably. After many attempts, Jesus turns the tables on them. He says, let me ask you a question. And we find this in Matthew 22, verses 41 to 46. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Jesus stumped the religious leaders. Oy vey! How can the Messiah be David's Lord, but yet David's son? That was a head slap. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know the answer to that. And here's the beauty of it. You and I know that Jesus is a descendant of David. When he was born of Mary, he was a descendant of David, but he's also the pre-existing one. He is God who was and is and ever shall be. So he is both of the line of David and David's Lord. So Psalm 1 Psalm 110, verse 1, begins with this very important statement. The Lord, and the first Lord, is Yahweh. 
the first reference to the Lord is Yahweh. The Lord God says to my master. Now this is David, who's king of the United Kingdom. There's no one greater than David, and yet he's saying, the Lord says to my master, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This is proof positive that Jesus is the Messiah. And here's how it applies to you and me. The Messiah had to be fully human. He had to be made like unto his brethren so that he could represent us. But he had to be fully God so that he could live a sinless, fully righteous life. He had to be God-man. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is of the line of David and he's Lord? That he's God-man. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The humanity and the divinity of Christ are the qualification for Jesus being our Messiah for him being our Savior. I needed someone who could represent me. Yet I needed someone who was way better than me because I fail and I fall. And Jesus lived a sinless life. And he gave that sinless life, that fully righteous life as a sacrifice in my place for the forgiveness of my sin Praise God, there's a qualified Savior and Messiah, and his name is Jesus, and he is David's Lord. We praise God for that. But it doesn't stop there, it gets even better. Yahweh said to Jesus, sit at my right hand. Now that's significant. First of all, God is spirit, and he does not have a right hand. But this is an anthropomorphism, meaning that it's using something you know and I know about humans to describe God. The right hand of God means the place of highest authority and greatest power. So Yahweh is saying to Jesus, sit here at my right hand, at the place of highest honor, highest authority, highest glory. And Peter, when he's preaching on Pentecost Sunday, as it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 32 to 36, he says this, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Praise God. That when Jesus died, on the third day, he rose from the dead. And 
after showing himself to over 500 believers, on the 40th day he ascended to heaven. And he's seated at the right hand of God Almighty. That's the Apostles' Creed. Now, I love to explain this. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, It is finished. Paid in full. He paid for your sin and mine in full by giving his righteous, sinless life in place for our sinful lives. He who was sinless became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Praise God for his sacrifice. Now, when he got to heaven, to sit at the right hand of the Father meant that the Father approved of the sacrifice. Therefore, Christ's death on the cross for you is his payment for your sin, and Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father is the receipt. Don't you just love that? I have been saved because Jesus died on the cross for me. How do I know? Because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. His work is done. He's seated because His work is finished, approved, acceptable, and permanent on my behalf. Paid with a receipt. Praise be to God that our Lord is exalted. That He is at the right hand of the Father. That He is greater than David. That His kingship is authoritative and glorious. In Ephesians 1, 20-23, Paul writes, that the Holy Spirit exerted this power when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. In other words, Jesus has all authority now and forevermore, and he has that authority, and all things have been placed under his feet for the sake of the church. For the sake of the church. If you read Colossians, it says that we are, or Ephesians 2, it says we are seated with him with him in heaven. In other words, because Christ is king, we reign with him and will reign with him. Praise be to God for that. Let me just read one more reference, and that's Hebrews 1.13. To which of the angels did God say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? The answer is none of them. None of them have the authority of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Jesus is greater than David. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Is he yours? He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Next, we see 
Jesus is the victorious king. Psalm 110, verses 2 and 3. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. So Yahweh not only says to David's master, Jesus, the Messiah, that he will make all the enemies uh, subservient to him so that they'll be but a footstool under his feet, but he also says that his rule will be over his enemies and will be um, uh, worldwide. You see in uh, Psalm 110, verses, uh, verse 3, your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. Now I need to mention something, that another messianic psalm is Psalm 2. And in Psalm 2 it says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. In other words, Jesus Christ is the king of kings, and people, the kings of this earth, will conspire against him in the battle of Armageddon. But Jesus is coming back with his saints. That's you and me. And out of his mouth will come a sword that will defeat all of his enemies. He will be victorious as king. And who's coming right behind him on horses dressed in priestly holy splendor? You are. And I am. We are sharing in the victory of our almighty king, over all evil. Praise be to God. He is our victorious king who rules. Jesus is also our eternal high priest. Read with me uh, chapter 100, Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek was the king of Salem, according to Genesis chapter 14, and it expounds on this in Hebrews chapters 7 through 10. And Melchizedek and Jesus Christ were the only king priests in the Bible. You see, to be a king, you had to be from the line of David. To be a priest, you had to be from the line of Aaron. So it's impossible to be a king and a priest unless it was a different priesthood. And that's what this is. A different priesthood, that of Melchizedek. And Jesus is, like him, he was the king of Salem. Salem means peace. And um, his name means righteousness. So Jesus is the king who rules in righteousness and in peace. We praise God that he is our priest 
And we read about this in Hebrews 5, 5 to 8. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but, said, but God said to him, you are my son today, I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Praise be to God that Jesus is not just victorious king, but he is our high priest. Now, here on earth, they had a tabernacle. But the tabernacle was but a representative, representation of a heavenly tabernacle. And Jesus, after he died, went to heaven and he went right into the Holy of Holies in the heavenly tabernacle and placed his blood on the mercy seat for our forgiveness. So whereas earthly priests had to offer sacrifices over and over again for the sins of the people, Christ offered one sacrifice for all time for you and for me. He is our high priest of a higher priesthood order, which is permanent, and that is the order of Melchizedek. Praise be to God. It says in Hebrews 6, 17-20, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The point here is because Jesus rose from the dead and was resurrected, he is our eternal high priest. Therefore, what he has done for us lasts forever. And because of that, we have great hope and encouragement. Finally, Jesus is the defeating judge. Psalm 110, verses 5 to 7. The Lord is our, at our right hand. He will crush the kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. Let me say right at, at the uh, verse 7 that he will drink from a brook along the way. In other words, his defeat of his enemy will be like nothing like just rubbing some, some dust off of his shoulder. It'll be easy for him to defeat his enemy. All those who conspire against God shall be judged and defeated. Evil will be dealt with completely 
and finally, by our Lord, as he reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise be to God for this truth, because he will judge, he will crush, and he will subdue uh, the evil. In other words, Jesus is the unstoppable king, and we get to share in his reign. So what have we learned about Jesus from Psalm 110? That Jesus is David's Lord, that Jesus is the victorious king, that Jesus is the eternal high priest, and that Jesus is the defeating judge. The question is, what does that mean for us? How does that apply to our lives? Because Jesus is David's Lord, we have a qualified God-man Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus said that, there's only, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way unto the Father except by him. He's the only qualified Savior. And he's the victorious king that we shall reign with him. And he's the eternal high priest that he paid for our sin with a receipt and he placed the blood on the mercy seat and we have a firm hope of our forgiveness and of being in glory with him. And that he is the defeating judge that we shall see evil defeated. This is Psalm 110 and I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have and I only gave you a piece of the 29 pages of research I did. But right now, the key is, where do you stand with regards to Jesus as Messiah? Have you trusted him? Have you received the forgiveness of your sins through faith in him? You see, you can't earn God's approval and forgiveness. It's a gift, a gift received by faith. If you'll trust in Jesus Christ, your sins shall be forgiven and you shall receive the gift of eternal life and know this victory and this joy and hope that's found in the Lord. Would you bow with me and trust in the Lord? Jesus, we trust in you as our Savior and Lord. We believe that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One of God. We believe that you are Lord, you are King, you are priest, you are judge. And we thank you for the great encouragement and hope that we have through our faith in you. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for giving us eternal life. Thank you for giving us hope eternal about the future. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.